Hello everyone. Welcome to Indie's Augmented Reality Podcast. One of the main challenges museums and science centres around the world are facing is how to maintain attendance numbers and engagement. Younger audiences are clearly more and more difficult to attract, at least by traditional exhibits. In today's episode, our CEO Alex, CTO Norby and CPO Chava talk about how technology can enhance the visitor experience without compromising the historic, cultural and general values these educational institutions work hard to preserve. Can you tell us about Indy's road to understanding AIR's role in education? We moved into education to a certain extent by accident. Um, one of the products that we developed uh, originally for a marketing campaign along with National Geographic was actually used and uh, identified as potentially a tool to to teach children in museums. Um, it was something that I think we were approached by a US museum um, as to whether the, t- the the system could be set up in a in a more enclosed space and could potentially be made interactive to allow groups of children to be taught about subjects such as natural history. Uh, so since 2011, India has launched AR systems in more than 100 locations worldwide. Uh, what are the most exciting projects you have done for educational institutions? And what are the most important things you have learned along the way? Norby? For me, the most exciting was uh, the T-Rex Revealed uh, application that we did for uh, Global. Uh, and it was also the most... Uh, interesting and challenging <laughs> in a way that uh, technically and the, the environment itself was, uh, wasn't um, the most optimal way to showcase AR, but it, it was one of the most exciting uh, way to show it. Um, the, the educational value of the application was really exciting for me because uh, uh, kids could uh, to could use the application to learn about uh, dinosaurs in a really interactive way. And uh, it wasn't just an interaction. It was also it was also the, the size of the whole uh, experience inside the mall. Um, so that was the most interesting for was me. That, I think that was one of the first times that we worked on a mobile application that, that effectively displayed some semblance of a lesson plan. Yeah, of some kind. It was it was as if the uh, up to that point, a lot of our work, especially on mobile, had been to display a particular scene and to effectively place you in that scene. Um, and I think that this was alongside a couple of uh, developments we did with the Smithsonian. This was a little bit more about incorporating kind of key sort of lesson points, key educational points within both mobile and and large screen actually because it was broadcast there yeah, as well. Broadcast, yeah. And I think that was one of the to be to be fair to everyone involved including us. I think that was one of the first times that we began to understand that the 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 days of displaying uh, basic scenes on mobile had effectively past yeah. that actually the the public to a certain extent and certainly if you're going to use that tool or you will use that tool in classrooms uh, longer term there needed to be a two-way interaction so we were developing content 
along with the lesson plan. And then we were effectively trying to ask the user to interact with it and to at least consume some some kind of slightly deeper layer of information from it, which I thought was quite... This was back in 2015, the last part of 2015. Yeah, sounds about of, right. Yeah. It all, it all because when you mention, guys, it, it sounds like it's like long, long time ago. Yeah. Actually, it wasn't that it long wasn't ago. That. Yeah, uh, what was a little bit longer, uh, well, longer back then, yeah, yeah. Uh, was the Prairie Fire Museum <laughs> in Kansas City. Uh, that was a, a really interesting setup because we used uh, large uh, touch screens for kids to be able to interact with content and they could uh, answer questions and uh, give their opinion about um, how certain dinosaurs uh, they think might have looked like and then meet those dinosaurs on a large screen on a broadcast yeah. set up. That, uh, sorry, go on. No, no, no. That for me, <clears throat> what it's interesting as well in, in during the process, not just the the ending result, is when um, when we start to collaborate with people that knows a lot, for instance, about specific animals or dinosaurs, the specialist that they have a view of um, of the animal, and, and of course we absorb all the knowledge, but we also are the the ones that know how to translate it to digital content. So in that sense, uh, making this um, this road and you know like collaborating together in order to to deliver something that it's not just educational but entertaining to the audience while we are learning on the on the fly. I think that that's something that it's uh, it's super interesting because we cannot just assume that we know everything. It's uh, it's important for us to ask the the right questions and ones that we that we have it to to translate it to to this digital experience. I think that I, I think yeah I think that's a fair point. I think that up up into in the first couple of years certainly of of mobile AR developments which were predominantly that say a kind of hybrid of entertainment and education and they but they were ultimately funded probably more from a, a, a marketing background than they were from an educational background usually it was it was a, it was a, a marketing team who had employed the services of an educator to provide some uh, to a certain extent credibility but also to to provide some input in terms of how the system would work the problem that you have Almost from the beginning, the problem that we that we have had, and to a certain extent, I think everyone experiences, is without that input, it's very, very difficult to make it, let's say, credible. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, the people who are providing that input from an education perspective very rarely have a full understanding of what the tech does yeah. or what the tech is capable of. And I think, I think certainly I know that, that we've run into it that understanding how content is displayed interacted with is is very very difficult if you haven't had lots and lots of experience doing it the effectively the user interface is is completely new um there's not that many use cases of how people have used it effectively in classrooms for example or in museums i'm talking about mobile here more than anything um and i think that's good that's that's, it's getting better, but it's still being quite problematic. The, yeah, the, totally. the, resistance, the resistance in museums, for example, and science centres has been, we don't know what the capability is. Mm -hmm. So actually, and this has been the case on a, for a lot, of, a lot of the work that we've done, you've gone through a period of evangelising and educating first, and then you've effectively moved on to what the technology could do in that particular context. 
Um, so if, so effectively everything that you do is double, treble the amount of time and also becomes more difficult to, to close. It becomes more difficult to execute because, and, and I'll, I'll go out on a limb here and say that there, there is always one or two people in the room who consider it to be a gimmick or a fad, um, and that, that makes life more complicated when you're trying to learn something new. And, and, and that's true because, like, even on, always on the preparation stage, it is a long way to educate our customer to educate educated in the in the things that that we know how to how to do and how the technology works and how it will be the best. It's good to have the input, but at the end of the day, it's also like sometimes just better to let us do our work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah, but when you combine our experience with the, the knowledge, ah, yeah, totally. that, that's like a, a killer. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I think certainly, you know, I go back in the day, um, so with something like Walking with Dinosaurs on mobile, I think the intention was to make it more educational than it ended up being. I think that's a fair description. And so certainly from certainly from my part, I think, that what happened with something like that is that you end up creating a campaign and deep down you know that the the system could carry the content could carry more information related to it but i mean you're on a i can't remember what i remember i certainly remember i inherited many lines on my face from that particular project but the as i'm sure norby did um Effectively, if you suddenly you have to deliver the project on, I don't know what it was, let's say eight weeks or 12 week deadline. The first thing that goes is the questioning on whether the content contains enough educational information. That's the thing that gets left at the door immediately. And I think that's a shame in a way, but then I think that's, that's to a certain extent, that's the product of, um, of not having a long enough period where us as a, say let's call us a supplier and the the customer can work together um to deliver something i think there's a there's a there's almost a period of of four weeks or something that is required just to understand what it is you're trying to achieve from it um that's how i felt with it are there any other challenges when it comes to the development of air experiences for education but technically uh, <laughs> Technically, I don't think there are other challenges than, than not non-educational uh, development. Uh, I think the biggest challenge here is the content and how to make it uh, not just a gimmick, how to make it uh, educational, informational, useful, and how to how to implement it eventually into a lesson plan that can be used in a in a classroom. For me, it's also about like choosing the right platform to deliver it. So in that sense, when we are talking about augmented reality, everyone instantly think about mobile devices. You need to think about the size of the mobile device, the performance of the mobile device. And that's why I think that, that our broadcast AR platform, it, it gives a twist on this because you need to align with the goals that you that you want to, what kind of learning are you trying to achieve? So in that sense, like choosing the right platform to deliver the message, I, I think that it's that it's key is one of the biggest challenges. Yeah, I think the I think that the uh, there's still a disconnect between the expectations um, and the reality. I think there's a disconnect in between uh, 
in truth, I think there's a disconnect in between how much content uh, a mobile device even now can deliver. Um, and then there's a big disconnect in between the, the fundamental principles of teaching, which are kind of fairly universally accepted, um, which have not yet moved from, uh, let's say, uh, they, they, they have not yet moved on to something like mobile. There's still a lot of discussion about that. It's not a very, at the moment, it's not a very tactile medium. It, it doesn't allow as much uh, children, for example, to, to morph content to actually feel like a hands-on approach to something. Um, it's very good at things like simulation because it obviously delivers that. It delivers things that can't usually be delivered. Uh, but I think, in truth, I, I think that th th there is that one of the biggest disconnects is that I think that at the moment it doesn't align with all of the, the fundamental principles of, of teaching children. Yeah, and, that, and, I, and I think that, that in the same line, uh, we shouldn't, as any technology we shouldn't you know like make it fit it it will find the, na the natural way to fit in the narrative in the in the educational process being a, a part of the full experience of learning which most of the times a lot of of um, you know people just want to make it fit because this is the future this is in and you realize that you need to see the bigger picture and and it's it mostly what are the the advantages of advantages of using it and how it can uh, it can you know like make better the, the learning experience I think that, I, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but but that also comes down to content because uh, because it will fit once uh, it will fit the content itself and the, the way kids or whatever uh, students uh, interact with the system mm -hmm. that uh, that's not uh, disruptive. So it, it doesn't get into get in the way of uh, of uh, the interaction between teacher and uh, student, but it enhances it. Mm. I think that's the, well, it's adding a layer, isn't it? Yeah. I think the, the the core principle here is that when I've had when I've had great conversations with educators, with with museums, or with or with teachers, those conversations have been around providing something that conventional methods can't. Yeah. And that's a very, very big difference. So so for us or for anyone else to stand there and say, this is the future of X is usually rubbish. The truth is that if you are a teacher with 20 children in front of you and you are teaching a subject, then there are certain ways that you employ and, ha and many people have employed over many, many years, which are effective. Uh, one thing that, that you can't do is effectively bring that content into the room. And I think that's where, and to a certain extent, I feel like mobile is actually still problematic. I think I think I know that Chava and I have, have talked previously about the idea of one of the big things that's missing is the collective experience. And this is why I think VR is 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 in is in fairly serious trouble um, in terms of a teacher not being able to control a group of children because they're all effectively in a different space. <laughs> um, and I think that AR. To a certain extent, AR gives you the opportunity to have a group of people all consuming the same experience in the same room and to then to allow the teacher to, to add on top of that. Um, but having said that, I think that mobile still remains quite problematic. I mean, I, I think that uh, the, the kind of wearable glass devices are the most realistic opportunity 
of having a group of people all consume and interact and morph and change and learn from a piece of animated 3D content in a room. Uh, unless unless I'm missing something, I don't see anything else out there. That yeah, because if you, if you put on a, <laughs> a, a, how do you call it, a, a headset, for example, or a, a smart uh, glass for the for a better like a better description then uh, (laughs) it's just um, it it can disappear uh, if from uh, from the interaction so it's uh, I think that that's when that's when it it will get interesting when when we the kids will forget about the technology and they just uh, yeah well I think that's not that's not happening now is it in truth I mean I think this is where where broadcast AR has been interesting because you don't need to understand the technology to consume the content. Um, An avatar, I think, will probably morph into that quite naturally. I think mobile AR, as much as we've done, and I think that we're obviously going to see lots and lots of AR kit examples in 2018, uh, there is still, you are still holding a device and you are still having to point that device at something. It's, it's a long road because you, just, yeah. you still need to download the, the the application, make sure that you have enough space in your device, <laughs> connectivity <laughs> issues, yeah. and but and that's important of not rushing. I, I was reading yesterday uh, or it was today morning the um, the newsletter of Business Insider, and it says uh, for retail customers, like seventy five percent of the customers believe that the the brands needs to have an AR strategy. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, like, probably we don't even understand it, but it's a must. We need to, to have it. So there's a real rush in the, you know, in the more marketing, commercial side of the things. Imagine when museums start to think, or educational institutions start to think that they need to rush as well. Mm-hmm. So that's that that's that's putting an extra pressure that doesn't need to be there and and above all if it's a selling point of the of the educational products that you are offering it is like yeah because now it has AR like why <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I think they 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 are notoriously well known for not rushing <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, no. um I, I think that I think that they are. And in that sense, they'll probably benefit much more in the longer term, that they will, that they won't go the same way that the advertising industry goes, which is just to immediately own a particular piece of technology, run it to the point of exhaustion, and then leave and move on to the next one. I, yeah, but I, I, was, yeah. I was talking more about, you know, like the, the amount of things that we will see that labeled... Yeah. Products labeled no, for education that are, are incorporating uh, augmented reality. I, I feel like it's kind of got this, um, the, the, their their ability to, to sit down and think about it and calculate it will probably just give them, there, there'll be less, to a certain extent, It will all, there will always be mistakes, but it will give them less mistakes. Because <laughs> they will, they will, <laughs> they will think about it. I mean, let's face it, I mean, the, the advertising industry is going to produce an immense amount of mobile AR apps that to a certain extent no one downloads uh, and when they do it crashes I saw that Snapchat thing uh, yesterday the day before that it's people have sort of arrived there and just said I'm completely underwhelmed by this yeah <laughs> and again that's the expectation of what's what's coming and then I think with museums and and, and science centers and things like that I think they'll they'll just take a kind of longer view on it um, and they'll look for something that gives them value over five, ten years, whereas 
the truth is nowadays you're you're probably working on a campaign that has a window of one month, two months. Um, so next, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, our experience is that uh, one of the main concerns of museums and science centers is whether the air experience will fit to their portfolio and existing exhibitions. Uh, is this a valid concern? Again, I think it's a, it's more about education of of understanding what these things do or what they can do. Um, from our perspective, the, the the products that we currently offer and the ones that we will offer uh, should be, to a certain extent, a blank canvas for them to work on. But I don't think that's happened yet. I think there's still there's still a conversation in that industry. In, in most industries, is it? I want, as Chava said, uh, we need to have AR. And I think museums will naturally and science centers will naturally kind of gravitate towards the ones that work the best for them and whether they fit with physical spaces, for example, um, you know, with integrated exhibits. I mean, broadcast, you know, the conversation about something like integrating broadcast they are into a particular exhibit to me is slightly missing the point. You integrate broadcast they are into the museum and then you roll that out for different exhibits. That, to me, there's a slightly different approach to it, which, we, to be fair, is not happening yet. Everything has been developed to operate as an island. So, uh, to me, the idea that you would have, if you if you installed Avatar to control a particular character, the logic to me would be to say, right, how can we now pull that particular product and that technology into every single exhibit we're going to have in the next five years? The same way that you have you know, retractable and adjustable sound systems, same way you have uh, lighting, the same way we have TVs in a, in a museum exhibit. To a certain extent, it's, I don't see any difference. And also this, this opportunity that once that you produce this kind of content for your own center, museum, whatever, you cannot take your museum elsewhere, but this kind of exhibitions, you can take it like, any part of the world in, in order to, you know, like to create uh, create brand awareness about the things that you are doing in your museum. So in that sense, it's it's also, I guess, an unexplored possibility. Yeah, yeah, I, it feels like it. It feels like it's conversations that, that will be happening over the next five years as opposed to over the previous five. Um, it's It's still at that point where... They are right, I think, to question why a particular system with a particular piece of content will fit with what they do. But one thing I learned quite early on is how, and I'm sure people will correct me if needed, but, um, you know, there are effectively two areas of, of museums and scientists. One is the one that designs the educational side of the, the business, for want of a better description, and the other one is the commercial side. And each of them will require different approaches. Um, the commercial side effectively is there to, to raise money to fund the educational side. Uh, but it doesn't mean they'll necessarily need the same thing. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about Indie, please visit us at www.industry.com.